Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cheers. I'm here in uh, Peel, Newport, with Benji Webb, my good friend. In the area, in the Peel area. I got a pint of Pepsi. And I've got some black coffee. I like that. And it's not even midday yet. This is kind of unheard of for Rockstar time, isn't it? Well, do you know But what? you're an early riser, actually. I saw I a post from you at about I, half seven in the morning. Yeah, I get up early. I get is that up early. your usual rising time? Well, I can't sleep. Well, and the little sleep I do get. But I don't get up and go, oh, I'm knackered. I get up and go, that's what I've had, yeah. and, I, and I'll live with it. So four or five hours a night, and that's what I get. So you ain't a napper, like if you wake up and you think... No, mm. and again, I do the afternoon nap, after kids' TV in the afternoon. That's you know? when you really should nap, is yeah, in the middle I, of the day. Well, I reckon about four, from four till five, I, I do fall asleep, and I do that on the road as well, because I think it gives you a strength for the, for the show, you know, because I'm all about the show, you know me, brother. Yeah, I know, and you've got a tour coming up real soon. Yeah, man. Like literally in two weeks it starts, yeah, right? Start the machine tour. It's Big been a while since album. you guys been out on the road as well because you've been writing your record. Yeah, we wrote the record. Um, which actually, we, we we played Hammerfest about two weeks ago. Oh, of course you did. And that was the first show we've played in six months. Wow. So yeah. that's a long time for you guys, that's isn't it? Because you make your money yeah. on the road. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, you know, <laughs> we ain't making no money from record sales, you know, so <laughs> it's on the road we need to be. But we all have the budget and live careful. But now we're back on it. Big Things is coming out and we're all excited. So let's talk... You're going to be playing Brixton Academy again. Yeah, man. Yeah. And the last time you guys played there, it was going to be 
a triumphant night for the band. It was the first time you'd played in that room as the yeah. headline act. Yeah. And it was supposed to be occasion of celebration. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the night before it was when the Bataclan attack in Paris happened. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to start on a kind of heavy note <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. straight in, but I wonder if you could just sort of relay to me and people listening what that was like for you guys, because not only did you have to assume the role of leaders that night to unite people in this really difficult and trying and scary time but of course you were with the band as i was in the Mm. week leading up to the show as well well basically talk us through it basically we um we were on tour at the same time as um eagles and um we've seen them in i think we had a night day off in in newcastle and we hung out with them guys had drinks with them guys went to the bar with the guys everyone was hanging out and having fun anyway they were playing that night and we were leaving that night so they played they played their show and we, we took off when I carried on touring. Um, we got on stage in, in Wolf, Birmingham, sorry. We got on stage in Birmingham. We were on stage and we are playing a storming set. This is the night before Brixton. A storming set. The crowd's going off. Energy is like 110% in the place. It's just beautiful. So we go off for the encore. When we go back on the encore, my mate Chris, who sort of takes care of me on the road, towels, water, stuff like that. I know Chris. <clears throat> yeah, man. Chris Malby. Todd Dad, we call him. <laughs> and um, basically, normally he's got, he stood at the door, the, the, the dressing room door, with a towel and water for everybody, and he just hands us the towel and the water as we come off stage. So we get, we come off stage and he's nowhere to be seen. So I walk down into the dressing room and he's just sat looking at his throne like with a white face. And I said, You all right, mate? He said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I said, Where's the towels? He said, oh, oh, sorry, mate. I'll get it off you. He gets up, gets the towels. And he never said nothing to us. So we got back on stage. And the security guard in the front, as we, as we start warning, I'm doing a speech for the newborn helicopter thing, like, and the security guard in the, at the front of the stage, like this big black guy, he's holding his phone up. And I'm thinking, mate, we can do a selfie later on, like, I'm going to do it in the middle of the performance. And he's look, looking at me with his face, like, just looking, holding his phone in the air, like, showing me the screen. And I can't read it, I'm blind anyway, so I couldn't see what I, what I said on there. So we played the show, and as soon as we got off stage, we heard all this stuff about... You know, Eagles of Death Metal, about the clan shootings and all this, and we're like, wow. So the energy in the rock and roll world after that night, for them, for them hours, was quite, quite hardcore. You know, you had people in the crew, like then we heard about, you know, the, the merch guy getting killed, who was a friend of our Sam's, who does merch for us. He was killed, and we was just with him a few nights before, so there was a lot of heavy energy in the room, you know. Had you, you encountered anything like that before nah, in your career? No, nah. I mean, it was a new ball game to play, yeah. to- totally. You know, and there was a lot of fear in the room. I'll be honest, there was people in the band who wanted to not play the next night. Which was the Brixton show. Which was the big Brixton show. And it was like, you know, it's London and people was fearing for an attack. And, you know, and, you know, I was just freaked out, to tell you the truth. And I was wondering what was going to happen. But, you know, I woke up in the morning in Brixton outside the venue. And I thought to myself, you know what, there's two ways to play this. We can pull the show out of respect. Or we can play out the respect. I don't think if you'd have pulled the show as well, anybody would have judged you harshly. No, no, no. Do you I know don't what think I mean? You would have been, been with, well have, within your means. Exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, we had that, you know, so we we chose. And like I said, there was a big split in the band who wanted to do it and who didn't want to do it. But for me personally, in that sort of adversary, you got to stand up to them people. If we said no, our, our lives, no matter what these people try to do to us in their shape and their form, our life needs to go on. So while we've booked, we need to book. we just got to be more vigilant, obviously. But we need to do what we need to do because rock and roll is something that ain't going to kill. There ain't no one going to kill our rock and roll birds, and that's what we bring. You know, and it was like 
we thought about it and like I said the band was split in half we, some guys wanted to not do it some guys wanted to unfortunately we flicked the coin and they landed on the side of do it is that how you actually yeah, determine whether or not it was going to go yeah, down 50-50 some of the crew was like nah I don't want to do this do I swear on this thing you can say whatever yeah, the fuck you want Benji okay well I'm not going to swear because you swear <laughs> um, so, so no, some of the crew were like fuck this and some of the band were like fuck this so we thought you know what we flicked the coin and everyone had to take a deep breath. It was deeper than like that. So we, we, I wanted it to play. We played the show. We um, basically with the the coin landed on on to do it, and I was happy about that. Was everyone who didn't want to do the show happy with that no. chance decision? No, they wasn't happy with it at all. But they just had to go they along at a majority because, I mean, rule. You flick a coin as a democracy, and, and the, yeah. coin, the coin decided. And thank God the coin landed that way, you know, because we played that show. Well, I think you're um, a band as well who. I mean, there's certain bands that just play fun rock and roll music and there's no deeper meaning. There's oh, no higher purpose. Yeah, there's a higher purpose for Skin Dread. And I know that night when we got on stage and we played the song. Because basically, I went to town and I know I always use a British flag on stage. And the reason why I use the... Oh, who's that now? We're fucking talking on a podcast. Matt Stockman. Just comes straight Look in. Who it is, though? Doesn't fucking ring. Ranks just turns up. What's happening, bro? <laughs> Hiya, right, mate. mate. Yeah, man. <laughs> Squidly Rags just turned up, people. I just want to say, Squidly's my good old friend. He just come down with a yo. He got his on his Harley. Boom, boom. <laughs> I didn't hear the Harley at all. <laughs> it's like Silent <laughs> But Deadly it's Ranger silent there. Silent Harley. Where did you get that head from, man? You got a new piece, headpiece. The, the guy who does the bikes for me, I yeah. just seen it on the shelf. I said, let me have that, mate. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's a cool lid. <laughs> Serious. So the night of this Brixton, the morning of the Brixton show, I got up and um, I was in, like I said, I'm an early riser. So I got up early and... Um, I looked and I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to take a walk in the Brixton. I love walking around Brixton Market. It's the best, man. Oh, yeah. It's just that, that melting pot of all the different smells and the cultures and all that. That's, that means so much to me. And um, I said, right. I took a walk. And as I was walking, I thought, I always take a British flag out on stage. Not because of my, my um, respect for the monarchy or whatever else. Just because for me, the British flag, it means rock and roll. It means for me, the, the British flag is like... It means like the specials. It means Zeppelin. You know, all them great British bands has gone before us. So it's like a tribute to that, more than a tribute to the monarchy or, the, or the, you know, being British, proud of being Britain or whatever. So I, I walked into the market and I seen a French flag on a wall and I said, you know what, tonight I dedicate this show to them, those who were killed in the Battle Clan. And I'm going to take this flag out and, and wave it high to show solidarity with my French brothers and sisters. And that's what I chose to do. So the the show came, and we were. It was funny because we didn't expect. We expected to lose a lot of people due to parents saying they didn't want their children going out. Blah blah blah. Because it was a fourteen and over show. That's was right. It? Yeah, and we thought you know we're going to lose a few. And you know what, brother? When I, when the time came to go on stage, that place looked absolutely jam packed to me. So I just it just, was. Uh, you know, I just give thanks to people. And the bollocks and the balls and mothers and fathers, respect to them too for letting their children go to the show, letting their people go to the show. And it was just a jam-packed show. And I just remember the, the moment that we stopped Roots Rock Riot or whatever the fuck song we were playing at the time, Rat Race. <laughs> we stopped Rat Race. And um, I remember pulling, taking the British flag down and putting the, the French flag up and holding it up. And the whole crowd saluted and just the heart, the energy. And the room was just just bouncing after that it was like we just showed such solidarity to those who were lost and to the eagles and we just pulled that flag out and after that it just sort of changed the atmosphere and the fear that was in the room it just left because we brought that room together that unity was just there for the people as a front man that's really what you do so well as well as take that energy and 
manipulate might be the wrong word, but you direct it and you shape it. And well, you yeah, can turn yeah. a nervous, oh, yeah. anxious, yeah. frightened crowd into a joyful, yeah, upbeat, celebratory well, I mean, crowd I with mean, a classy look, move I always, like I always that. Say, I always say this to, to people that if my job is just singing in a band, then it's not worth doing it. I want to impact people's lives in so many different ways. Like as a kid, as a man, as, as this guy I am now, I can't. But up there, it's a mission. I am, I'm on a mission to bring a room together. We've got black kids, white kids, kids who wouldn't even stand next to each other. Gay people, straight people, upside down people, inside out people. <laughs> and I want to bring them people together. I always say that when you come to a Skindred show, there's an umbrella. And everybody is welcome into that show. Everybody's, everyone. Unless you're coming with a fuckery attitude or, or, or negativeness, you ain't welcome. But all those who are in this room, there's no black and there's no white. It's just people of skin dread. You know, and that's one thing I, I portray night to night, night to night after night after night. Yeah, man. So what's your buddy saying? Because we're going to be talking for about an hour. Max, cool, man. He's Max, <laughs> he's Max gonna, drink some coffee, get... smoke some cigarettes. It'd be nice, man. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is Satan because he stopped smoking the other day. So it's oh, he's going to be up. fucking so lighting up, tweaking me out. nicotine into his face, I'm on bro. day five <laughs> of non-smoking. <laughs> nicotine is ganja. <laughs> I might just have one just to take the edge off. Oh, you can take that's a That's how it huh? goes. Yeah, man. Um, no, it don't. <laughs> that's how it starts. Yeah, that's how it started. So you obviously have um, a friendship and a relationship with the Eagles of Death Metal guys yeah. um, well you know I met him a long time ago in um, in, G- in Germany Australia right Australia we was on tour in Australia and we became friends with them guys because the thing about that Australian thing it was fantastic because you get all these bands going on the planes in the morning yeah. so you'd have to meet in the lobby at past four or five o'clock in the morning you know, after playing a show the night before. So you'd all meet. I'm not talking like 10 people. I'm talking like 200, yeah, yeah, 200, yeah. 500 people going, all going on the same flight. So as far as I can remember, we're on the same flight as um, um, Down, Phil, 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 Phil Anselmo. Goddamn Anselmo. He's the best. He's the best. <laughs> There's so much crap stories about him, but to me, he's been nothing but a gentleman all every time for years and years. Phil Anselmo. Mastodon, you know, it's like the plane has got all these different stars on there, and it's it's, it's incredible because I'm I'm in awe of these all these. these Good to see you, Joe. See you soon. Yeah, tell out, darling. See you later. I'm in awe of all these all these bands being on the fling so we start talking me and Jesse and we start getting to know each other we see each other for breakfast and blah 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 and we'd be in catering and it was a really good vibe that tour was fantastic it was something that I didn't think it was going to be that cool and it really was and it was Soundwave right yeah Soundwave that's yeah. sadly no so longer we- happening is it just Damn shame! Experience. It's just so far and removed from the rest of the world, isn't it? It's far away, man. It's they don't care about anything land. else in politics or what's going on with <laughs> England or America, which is why I love it. When I, I was down Australia there, I was like, too. "Wow, no one's giving two shits <laughs> about, about what's going on outside of this country right here." Yeah, beautiful. The economy's strong. The weather's good. The women are beautiful. The food's great. There's nothing not what to love about here, Australia. Bro? What the hell? We need to be on the next plane down there. I remember that because I was in hospital at that time. That's right. And I sent you the picture of me and Jesse and I said, oh, say hello from me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he went, oh, my God, he's in hospital. And he said he ran off to go and do a prayer. He's Catholic. He's real Catholic. He's the real deal. Yeah, he is the real deal. He he, he stopped talking to me and went to pray. Yeah, man. He he really had your back, bro. Well, I want to talk to you about... (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) I want to talk to you about... What happened with him in the wake of that attack, and even most recently, I don't know whether you've been keeping up with the news, but it's kind of a springboard for a whole larger discussion I want to go into. Um, obviously, after that attack, he had the goodwill of the world behind him. Yeah. Everybody was on his side. Yeah, Everybody yeah, yeah. had his back. Yeah, what happened? Because I don't know. Is so that- he, after the attack, I mean, A, first of all, you can't begin to imagine the shock and the yeah. fucking horror of what you witnessed, right? And the, course, you know what's funny? the long-term impact that something like that is going to have on a character. You, there, Matt. you know what's funny you said to me? 
I love him, right? And I seen him at Reading a couple of a year or so after. Yeah, yeah. And he was very upbeat. He was very uplifted. It would have been last summer, I yeah, think. Yeah, so last summer before. Summer before. So I seen him at Reading. Let me see if I get this right now. And he told me a story. He said to me that um, there was a shooting in um. I think it was a shooting at a cinema. Yeah. And um, this is he told me this, and I couldn't believe when he said this. He said there was a shooting at the cinema, and a guy called his manager to say that there'd been a shooting at the cinema. And he said, yeah, what was the movie like? And Jesse said that to me. So in other words, he took it light. Yeah. You know, even though it was a heavy been situation. completely desensitised. Yeah, that's what he said, yeah. But, he, but the guy was more interested in what the movie was like than the shooting. You know, and I was like, wow. And when he said it, I didn't know whether to laugh or not, like, you know. It's but a he, different world, isn't it? It's a different world. And everyone is the product of their environment. But mm-hmm. I think, so what happened was in the wake of the attack, obviously he's grieving, he's going through what he's going through. And he's on news stations and he's being interviewed, which for me was the wrong move. I think his management, even maybe him and himself, should have pulled away from the spotlight and not put himself in those situations. Straight away, look. Straight away. But I guess he's someone who is really attracted to fame mm-hmm. and he'd be the first to admit that. And I think through being interviewed, that was his way of exercising and working through what he'd experienced and been yeah. through. But the problem was, is people know that he's quite right wing, know that he's pro gun. And so they're saying, well, are you still pro gun after this experience? And he was on this French news station and he said, until no one has guns, everyone should have guns. And his thinking is that if he'd have had a gun in that situation, he could have saved his friends. I don't think he had time to get his, Get his gun and go in the crowd. Well, no, of course not. You know. But I wanted to ask you what you thought of um, the backlash, really, to the things that he said, because it's difficult, isn't it? Because I feel like nowadays know, you know, no one people are very quick to judge and condemn when you can't really imagine the pain that that guy's been through. I'm not saying I agree with anything that he says mm-hmm. about guns, but... You can't imagine it. That's, you can't, that's, right? You, man, you can't put yourself in that position until you've been in that position. And, you know, God willing, none of us will be in that position again. But your attitude's going to change when something like that goes on in front of you. You know, I mean, it's funny because look at Dimebag, you know? Yeah. Dimebag's on stage, you know, and he was a beautiful guy as well. Next thing you know, some crazy person in the crowd pulls a gun out and starts shooting. You know, we're very vulnerable people up there on stage, and you don't know what it's like. It's like the one thing about stage, I just to go off on a tangent for a minute. Go off the on one, all the tangents the thing, you want, dude. That's what this podcast is for. The one thing about being on stage, you're in a very vulnerable vulnerable position. If someone wants to throw something at you, they can show some, throw something at you. And you ain't done nothing, but they want to throw a glass, they can throw a glass. And you're so vulnerable up there. And people who fucking do that kind of stuff, I think that should be like a, a big fine. It shouldn't just be like a slap on the wrist, get out the gig. They should pull them aside and say, what the fuck are you doing? You can't do that to human beings. You can blind someone. You, you can, can have... Well, yeah. Bro, you see it all the time, man. You see it all the time. People getting smashed in the face with bottles and stuff like that. And it's not fair. Even even like bucket, even even people just chucking plastic pint glasses. You could get some motherfucker could get electrocuted in that place. I really think that the whole... Being on stage is the most vulnerable position in the world. You're out there. If someone wants to take a pop of you, they can. And that's the one thing I'd say. When people go to a show, they need to respect that. And if they're fucking too drunk and they want to chuck shit, get them the fuck out of the show and ban them from the club for life. You know, it's something that we, as human beings, being up there is scary enough as it is. And especially in times like this, you hear an explosion or a bang at the back of a club. It could be, it could be anything. People are all on the floor, scared. You know, so we have to take that into mind. You've got to be careful about people's attitudes when you go to a show. If you're pissed and you're chucking, chucking shit around, don't go there. Get through the fuck out. 
I think I went. I can't remember what I was, the point I was going to make. But you're basically saying respect the artist. Yeah, respect yeah, the artist. Don't throw piss at and them. Don't be shooting people at shows. No, and certainly <laughs> don't be doing saying? that. Don't yeah, be shooting man. people anywhere. Well, recently <laughs> there was a march as well. Um, the oh, mar- yeah, the yeah, march for lives protest, and yeah. Jesse went on his Instagram page and said it was pathetic and disgusting. What they were marching? Yeah. Uh, do you know what? And he's lost all the goodwill and all the support that people had for him because of the things that he said. You know it's what? a real shame. It's a shame, but you know what? If he can live with it, it's his life. Make the decisions that he makes, let's hope he can stand by them and it doesn't affect him as a human being. You know what I'm trying to say? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, power to you for having the conviction to say what you felt. So well, he did, but then he so deleted he, the post and now he's oh, done an apology video. When you, delete the, when you delete the post, it's too late. But you got to remember, this guy's been through some fucking shit. Bro. Yeah. He's going to be confused, damaged, and, you know, no disrespect to the man, because, like I said, if I see him today, I talk to him and, and, and I give him a hug. But he's got to be in a position where things are not right within himself after experiencing that, you know? So we gotta, we got to give him that. we got to allow him that, haven't we? Yeah. you got to allow him that. So he's going to say th- things which are radical. None of us have stood on that fucking stage and after ex- uh, and and had that. So we don't know how we're going to react. So it's easy for us to sit on our high horse and point down. You know. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because I feel like the internet has really intensified. Oh, the internet is fucking. It's intensified that so everything. much, hasn't well, do it? You know, look. The other day we put two songs. Off. I just want to say this. The other day we put two new songs off Big Things out there, a, a lyric video, and we, and we dropped another video, Machine and Big Things. They were two songs. Not Big. Yeah, Big Things big and things, Machine. Yeah. They went out. And I've never experienced something so insane in my life. I was reading some of the comments that these people are saying, and you know what? People are fucking evil. Really? You know, it's not the fact... You know, big up, big up. If you're bigging up the band, big up the band. That's all beautiful. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But some people... I've, I've watched you guys for the last 15 years, and this is fucking disgusting. It's the worst piece of shit you've ever released. Why are you talking like that? Why are you talking like that? I'm not your band. I'm in my band. If you want to talk like that, get your own fucking band together. I don't even want people around me like that. No. I think it's evil and it's wrong that people can be so manipulative to their own beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can push you where they want it to go. Well, the internet allows anonymity, doesn't it? Yeah. It allows people to sit there. Faceless fucking, faceless evil. Smash on their keyboards. Faceless evil, and then you put that... And I I was reading some of the... There were some beautiful, positive things about the record, but there were some really fucking negative ones as well. I said, what's wrong with you, man? No one's going to come up to you in a bar and say that, are they? Well, just up to them if they want to. Yeah, but they ain't. Serious, take your best shot, baby. (laughs) Serious, but, you know. But it's like, how could you do that? My mum used to say, if you've got nothing to say, nothing good to say, well, really don't say exactly. nothing at all. I mean, there's bands out there from Metallica to Corn to the Deftones to, to, to um, what do you call them? To, to Limp Bizkit that release records, which I love. And there's some of the records I don't, but I'm not going to sit here talking shit about them. You know, and I think that's hurtful. Some people can just take, man, can manipulate things even. Like I said, the baby metal thing. Yeah. Right? I, I was on Well, that's the perfect thing. segue. Was, so in well, case people don't know that story... Set the scene. You're hosting the Kerrang Awards a few mm-hmm. years they back. They asked me. Yeah. They asked me to, re- to host the Kerrang Awards. I did it before, um, and, I, and I had a great time. And the second time around, I was having a great time. Now, the reason why they asked Benji Webb to do it is because Benji Webb's a character. And he speaks. And he speaks, and he says some shit. What and he it's thinks. Funny. Yeah. But let me put this to you. So anyway, in the beginning of the evening, I got up there, me and Justin from the darkness, we got on stage, and we're having a good time. Everybody who's walking on the stage, we're fucking with him. No matter where they're from, we're fucking with them, whether it be about their clothes yeah. or their hairstyle. Which, again, is why they hired you That's to do why that they job. Just to admit. So anyway, I'm doing the thing, and it's time for Baby Metal to come on stage. Now, listen, I just want you to know this, Matt. In all honesty, bro, if someone said to me, Baby Metal can't speak English very well, 
they've took the last four days learning his speech. Shut the fuck up and say nothing when Baby Metal are talking. Because it's going to ruin their flow. Because their flow. they're actually, they can't speak English. They're just reading this piece of paper or they're just doing this picture they've learned. No one said no that. No one prepped you. No one prepped me. And if they would have said that, God knows, in my heart of hearts, on my children's lives, I would not have interrupted them children. I would not have interrupted them. No one said shit to me. Afterwards, the guy came up to me from their corner and said, oh, you know, that was quite difficult for them. You made it difficult for them, blah, blah, blah. Number one, I didn't do anything racist towards them girls. I don't live like that. I don't stay like that. So fuck you and all your crew if you think that's how I did towards them. Some asshole took it on himself to write what I was right to type on his computer again, going back, to put the look at the footage and, and just say, oh, Benji was being racist and he said this and he said that. Now, let me show you something. If, if saying arigato to a Japanese person is racist, then I'm fucking racist. Because on the same time, I said bonjour to some French people who was there as well. So what's the difference? Why aren't you pulling me up on saying, saying bonjour? Why am I being racist towards the French? It's bullshit. And then, he, and then as they're talking, I think I said something like, you guys fucking rock. You know? Because that's what you do. But no, like I said, no one prepped me. I would have shut the fuck up and said nothing at all, bro. Other than hurt them people's feelings or try to damage them in any way. And I apologize. And I fucking pissed off with a Kerrang, really, because they said, uh, they should have said, you know what, Benji didn't do that. They should have backed me, but they didn't. And that's one thing I won't forget. They didn't fucking back me. They put the apology in, but I wasn't apologising for being racist. I was apologising for disturbing them during their fucking talk. So how did it get out of hand? What happened? Did this footage Somebody then go the viral Somebody took the footage, went viral. They wrote on there. I haven't even watched it. But I know what the person necessarily took the footage. You know when they doctor something? Yeah, yeah. And the, I'm or saying, I'm like saying stuff which is like distorted yeah. and far away. And they're saying... I don't know what the fuck. I never even read it. But I would just know that people out there talking that kind of shit about me. And on my mother's grave, brother, I did not... Well, I was not racist. I was trying to be humorous through them kill speech. If I knew them fucking... If I knew they were up there and they couldn't... They couldn't speak English and they were just doing like that, I would have shut the fuck up. No one told me to leave them alone. I was a... I was, I was, as far as I'm concerned, every band that come on a stretch, all-time low, all the bands that come, I was fucking with. Even the ex Well, it's prophet. like a roast, isn't it? You're rinsing people in good-natured spirits. That's how I am, bro. That's the yeah. way I do it. Well, and it's then, a rock and roll awards ceremony. That's the whole idea of the show. At the end of the day, it's rock and roll. And then people are telling me about, are you, how can you talk like that in front of the kids? Well, what the fuck are kids doing in the place anyway? Well, I was going to talk to you about this because, for me, it's irresponsible to put children in an environment with adults and alcohol. It just is. It did, like, brother. Baby metal are cute they're sweet they're an interesting they're an interesting band i think that then they were probably about 12 13 yeah but too young to be in that room really and that's why you have people like drew barrymore and macaulay culkin go off the rails is because when you put children in an adult environment it corrupts their innocence amen too young amen but like i said that hurt me a lot did, did you leave Twitter pretty much that day? That, I never, I, you never I, went I back. I think the still's open. I never looked at it again. After some of them things that I read. Because it just of, spread like wildfire, it, did it? And everyone you know just what? jumping Benji on you. Benji Webb, Benji Webb, Benji Webb. People on Facebook saying, reading things, oh, Benji Webb's a douchebag, man. Benji Webb's this. I was like, you know what? If I could see your face, I'd smash that cunt. <laughs> Serious. Because you know what? I didn't do that. Yeah. You took it on that. Whoever it was, the guy in a Batman t shirt, he took it on himself to say, well, Benji Webb's a douche. I think he's this and he's that. It's like, you know what, brother? I didn't do nothing to work them children. I don't live like that. I've done a lot of bad things in my life but I've never done that and I put my hand up to God and God knows my heart is not not in any racism or any twisted shit like that don't believe everything you read on the internet Bro, is the moral the worst ask me yeah. ask me about it because I don't I, I was the one who did it I was the one who was on that stage with fucking Justin from the darkness we had a great night and then it just after that it was like I was trying to party and then the people kept coming up to me and going so I assume you're finding out about yeah, it kind of going viral the as the night's morning, going I put on. I on my phone. Oh, what a nightmare. 
I put my phone on. Normally, I have like ten messages in the morning. It's like something like hundred and eighty messages. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, and I said, "You know, what? I didn't do that. I didn't do that. That person took it on himself to write what I to to, to hurt my hurt my good reputation." You know, and I've been to Japan since. And when I was in Japan, I was watching my back constantly because you never know. Can people believe? Well, Baby this Metal shit? are a, a band. I interviewed them. I did their first ever English language Ghost TV interview, and that video on uh, YouTube has had something like four or five times more views than any other band that we've done because their fan base is hardcore and super passionate. That's right. And I'm, so you could see how that could turn so, into so at it like this. negativity right, so I go to really Japan easily. Now. I go to Japan, and somebody shoots me in Japan because of the baby mouth thing. Number one, they shot me because of that fucking asshole in his bedroom talking shit, yeah. not because I said anything. You see what I'm trying to say? It's, Chain of events, isn't you, it? You understand? So I get shot on stage because some guy took it on himself, and how is he going to fucking feel then, knowing I'm innocent? You gotta live with it. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. You, you when you when you, I'm telling you, people, when you're in a position, if you can't say nothing positive, don't say nothing because you're just making bad vibes. You're pouring petrol on a fire, and there's only one thing. If you, it's, it's, you're like trying to out the fire with petrol, <laughs> you understand? You can't do that, and it's and it's heartbreaking that someone would take it on himself and twist shit like that. Don't believe the hype. Public Enemy said it best, brother, you know. So are you going to be playing We Live on this tour? Because We Live, for me, is not, the mantra is of what you're about no, no, We Live. We're going spiritually. to be playing, saying it now. But We Live is about all of that, isn't yeah, it? We, we one live, people, yeah, one, one world, pe- one I'm, life, I'm, one love. If you know me, you know I'm all about that. Yeah. You know, I was the black kid who all the black kids was picking on because I was into punk rock. You know what I mean? That was me. Oh, we and you still got the Sex Pistols vinyls <laughs> on the wall right there. <laughs> there you go, bro. <laughs> yeah, I still got the pistols all in my heart, too. So I'm punk as fuck. I'm black rock, punk rock. I'm all that stuff. Ragamuffin dreadlocks. You know, but um, <laughs> for me, like, We Live, a song like We Live, which was on Kill the Power. I love that tune. It's a strong was it, song. Was that the co-write with Desmond Child, that one? No, not no? Desmond Child. I wish it was Desmond Well, Desmond Child would have been good, too, I mean. Um, that was written with um, the guy who wrote a lot of hit, hot chocolate hits. I can't I'm sure that's Desmond Child. Child, no, it's not. not. I can't remember his name. I feel bad that I can't remember his name. I went to his house. Such a beautiful guy. She's a beautiful spirit. I can't remember. It's gone. It's a good tune anyway. Yeah, good. Yeah. So we wrote the song with him. I think he wrote um, a lot of hit, hot chocolate hits as well. Nice. Hot chocolate. Yeah, exactly. But he's got a huge one. You know what? I'm going to pause it here so I can find Go this on. guy's name. I feel bad. <laughs> well, you don't need to pause. We'll just keep this conversation okay, flowing, and then when you find though, it, man, what's his name? We'll have a look on. Was he also the guy that wrote "Kiss"? I was made for loving you. I'm sure it's Desmond Child. It's dude. not Desmond Child. I know it's Desmond Child because yeah, because I just found out that Desmond Child wrote so much like um, what are they call Bon Jovi sits and yeah, all that. and Aerosmith as well. I oh, think. What's his name? That's so Ricky Gervais does. Have you seen the new Ricky Gervais stand-up Humanity? Brilliant. Man. Isn't that bit where he goes no, into you know Twitter what? on there? So good, watched, so on I the point. The other day, the extras again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? The extras is the best. The extras, extras is the best. The yet. extras Christmas special <laughs> is the best in the world. When he goes, who are the, the three that are on? in the hotel bed together? It's Chegwin, yeah, Les Dennis, yeah. and Keith. Yeah, Keith. No, it's Keith Chegg is Les Dennis and one other one. It's fucking yeah. funny, and they're all in that hotel bed together. Yeah. Oh, what's his name now? Come oh, on, Bench. He's gonna, even got the internet in I front of him. I have got the Google thing looking for his the name. The Google no. thing. Googly giggly. skin dread. <laughs> it's going to come up now. How is that cigarette, buddy? It tastes good. Oh, it's on there. <laughs> <laughs> the devil. Yeah, you'll be all right, bro. You don't need it. Like I said, you gotta get, you got to turn that corner. you got to smash through the barrier, haven't you? Yeah, for real, though. I'm going to find out this guy's name any minute now. 
Dun, dun, bam, bam. I think the message. Russ Ballard. Russ Ballard. Russ Ballard. There we go. No, Russ Ballard. So what else has he done? Russ, wow. Russ, you ready for this? Russ Ballard is is hits. He's worked with Kiss. He wrote "God Gave Rock and Roll to You." Imagine having a, a quarter of his. Oh my God! God gave rock and roll to you. What else did he write? Hot chocolate. The list is endless. Rock pop. He's written so many hits, like, and he's to the, from and he's been writing since 1960. To wow. The present day. Wow. So where was his place? Where did you go? I went to Hertfordshire in England to his yeah, yeah. mansion. And it was a mansion. Was there a lot of rock and roll history in there? Oh, just, bro, the, the guy had a wall, and next to Elvis Presley's wall, the discs was incredible on the wall. It was just everywhere. I was like, wow. But he was really cool. Russ was, he was, he took us back, and he just said to me, look, if you're going to write this song, the essence of this song is we live and we're all the same. You know, we don't need hate, we need hope. And if you've got hate, that's not great. You know, it was that kind of thing, and he just, he just spoke the right stuff. So we sat down, we wrote the song. And like we're all the same, like you said, we come. We all we, look the way I look at it. Like this is what what I said to him. I said, look, everyone on this planet is a winner. We all have to run that sperm race to get through here. No matter if you're black, white, disabled, whatever, you won that race to get out of your mum's belly, and that's the race. That's that's the important race. That's the race we all win. So no matter what religion, what's what's it called, everyone is a winner because we came out of that to win that race, and we all came out. And the reason why we're here is because we won that race. Back to hot chocolate. Everyone's a winner. Diddle, 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 diddle. There you go. You need that. Yeah, so I mean, that, that song for me. You obviously have chosen. You could live anywhere in the world, and yeah. you have lived yeah, in yeah, other parts of the world. You had your t- tenure in LA. Yeah, yeah. You live in Newport, in Pill, mm-hmm. where you grew up, because you obviously love community. Yeah. You love family. Yeah, I love life. I love looking out my window and seeing people. I mean, like to live in a mansion be good, but be silly as well because I think. I write music about people. I go to a pub which is full of different characters. You know, I make sure that I, when I when I go to a bar, it ain't just one kind of person, because the stories are stories like gold, you know, and people's lives and the, the way things that, the the human attitude about dealing with situations, and you ain't gonna get that stuck away in the countryside. I love people and I love being around people, and that's why I'm left my neighbourhood because I believe that I am a product of my environment. I grew up in a very mixed race area where it wasn't about being black or white or or Muslim or Christian. It was about being from that part of the world and and learning to deal, going to your Somali's mate's mother's house and eating that kind of food, and going to your Italian mate's house and is eating his food and just all this beautiful nurses. If you stay in your own, you stay away from people, you ain't gonna experience all that stuff. That's why I love America so much because. When you go to America, people say, oh, the food's so good. You know the reason why the food's so good is because it's so... It's a melting pot, It's a melting it? pot, and you've got all, this different kind of, all these different kind of chefs cooking throughout this world, and it's a beautiful thing, man. You know, I mean, like, to be from somewhere which is so mixed and so multicultural is a beautiful thing, and that's why I believe the Skin Dread's job is to bring people together. I think that the music we, we make is a bridge-building music. Some people have come to me over the years and said, you know what, I hated reggae. I hated reggae and I caught you. Well, the two don't usually, hard rock, heavy metal and reggae do not usually sit well together, do they? I believe it's not because we took hard rock and reggae. I love the specials and as far as I'm concerned... The Ruts DC, the specials, the Clash. That's what I'm saying. All these great British bands who took the energy of reggae and the energy of, of the modern day rock and put it together. Now, I don't think they did it in like like a scientist trying to be in it with a chemistry set. Yeah, yeah, putting ingredients I together and blending it People up. People say yeah. to me, there's, you know, they, there's other bands out there doing reggae and rock and it just don't feel right. I don't think it's anything to do with reggae and rock. I think it's to do with the melting pot and the heart of the band. The spirit. Yeah, the yeah. spirit of the band makes the music. 
You know, not just like, hey, man, we're going to do a reggae part. We're going to do a rock part. It ain't like that. You know, when you listen to a song like Rat Race, that's what I do because that's what I feel I should be doing on it. You know? And I think that's the most important part about being in Skin Red. It ain't just a chemistry set. It's, it's a heartfelt thing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So this new album Big Things, you've mm-hmm. just told me is probably the most rock. Yeah. Dominated like traditional, yeah, straight yeah. down the line yeah. rock and roll album yeah. Skin Dread yeah. have ever done. It's also, uh, I guess, if I can say this, it's not a big secret. Predominantly written by other members of the band. The, the other members yeah, of the yeah, band, yeah. and you've just kind of turned up for the first time and just been the singer and yeah. delivered yeah. your lyrics well, and the I, vocals. I, I, one thing I was really excited about because originally I was like, "Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to put my thing on there, man. I don't want to do that." But then. I started watching some documentaries. Did you have a strop? Did you throw your toys out? I'm Benji. I'm Benji. from Skin Dread. I'm a big pussy hole, man. I'm a big pussy hole, I swear. When it comes to, like, having my way. He's a diva. Yeah, I am. I got got that buzz. But the guys weren't taking no shit. They wanted to bring... You know, I know, honestly, if the song... Is that just because it was time to step outside the usual parameters and try something different? We do do really well. Because what album number is this? Number seven. Wow. So you've got a Skin Dread album for every day of the week now. There you go. So you've got seven albums. So which day would this new one be? Saturday night? Um, I'd say Monday morning. Monday morning. Monday morning. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Killer power. Start Saturday the week night. with a spring in your Killer step. Killer power. Saturday yeah, night. yeah. Fair, yeah. fair. <laughs> so, um, I lost the trail of thought. What was I talking about? So they come to you and they say, "This is how we so, want to yeah, do it so, this time so around." I, I, yeah. So. I was a bit stroppy about it at first because I didn't know what they were going to bring. Because, like, you know, I, I had all these ideas myself, you know. But it's cool with the good thing about ideas. They're on my phone and I can always use them in, in, in the next phase of the game. But anyway, so I sat there stropping. And then I watched a few documentaries on BBC4. BBC4 do the best documentaries ever. Amen. When it comes to rock and roll. And I discovered, because I'm not really a big fan of all, all, like, knowing bands, but I discovered that Freddie didn't write a lot of the songs. He wrote a lot of the songs, but he didn't write a lot of the songs. Some of their big hits. And that sort of made me go, okay. After watching, I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to go and see what these guys got. So I got to rehearsal space, and none of it was shit. They were delivering some strong skin dread music. And when I started singing it, when Mikey was singing it on, on the demos, it sounded like something different. But when I took control of it and I sang it, I dominated it, 
and it worked for me. And it was skin dread. It came from skin dread. It came from their man. It came from the blood of what's inside them. It came from their energy. And like singing big things and last chance and some of them songs, I felt great. It was really good fun in the end, you know. They are hard taskmasters, I will say. Are they? I've, I've sang for a lot of people in the studio and I fucking wouldn't want to do that again because they, they're very particular on the way they won the So songs. was the whole dynamic of recording different yeah, to usual? Were I, you more like a hired gun in yeah, your own band? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I felt like that in some stages. But at the same time, even though it was a hired gun It's because they had the vision, so they, they wanted the vision, to just but, keep it on that track. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If you're the one who's written a song, I want to deliver that song in the best way possible. And I feel so shitty when I don't. Very rarely I don't. I don't do what you said. But doing it was a pleasure to work. And it wasn't a pleasure to sing. But the after effect, it was pretty fucking... I felt really good about it. So Mikey, come come with um, That's My Jam. He come with um, the other one called um, Big Things. And I thought, you know what? These songs sound great. And these guys are excited. So let's get on board. Let's get on board and join the Dread Train. You know, and that's what we did. And I feel like when I'm singing a song, I don't go, oh, I am written this. I feel like I'm owning it. So it's my song. And it is my song, you know. You know what I was listening to on the way here? What? The Diamond Spiders Project, which oh, I yeah. fucking love. Yeah, yeah. I and with you your what... permission, can oh. I play one of those tracks at the end of this? Of course you can. I'd love you to. I love it. I love. I mean, there's four songs on the CD I've got. Have you done any more since then? I, I could play you them all day. I've got about 22 Have of you, them. Have you done more? Yeah, done I've got to hear more. them, man. Yeah. It's, it's like Western music. Well, basically, like, I was It's just, like you're yeah. in a Jim Jarmusch, Dead yeah. Man, Western yeah, soundtrack. A, I, was, I was inspired. When I first moved to this house... Um, I set my studio up and Richie, my old bass player from Dubbo, came along and me and him sat upstairs drinking brandy and talking shit and he got the guitar out and just started jamming and just jamming like sort of western what can I say, bluegrassy and I just started singing along and I thought, fucking hell, there's some good vibes, yeah so I recorded it on my phone I just, just recorded it and then the next day he came I said, have a listen to this so me and, me and, me and um, Richie sat down Listen to it. We thought, you know, there's some good vibes in there. So we recorded that song. I think that was called Talk, which is like a, like a, so I don't know. like a, But I just imagined the whole vibe of it could be in a movie. It could be used for that kind of stuff. So we've written like 22 songs. It's the Diamond Spider. I think we're changing the name from the, the last project. We put a line in it and we're going to call the next project. But there's 22 Diamond Spider songs out there. Um, but I want to put them I want them placed in a movie I wrote them with um, Quentin Tarantino in mind yeah yeah if I could get him to him have you seen Jim Jarmusch's film Dead Man with no, Johnny Depp I haven't seen that no. you watch that is Johnny Neil, Depp good in it Johnny Depp's one of it's one of his last great roles okay before he went downhill real fast yeah yeah, yeah. Well, with all the fucking Tim Burton remakes of Chocolate yeah. Factory and Alice yes, in Wonderland just, yeah. and yeah, the beginning you know, of the end I mean, for those I'm, guys but if you look at his 90s work Arizona Dream What's Eating Gilbert Grape obviously Fear and Loathing yeah He's yeah. fantastic in Dead Man. I'll have a look at Dead Man then. Thanks for And that. the music is so in line with what you do with that project. I listen in, when I listen to um, all them old westerns like Magnificent Seven, obviously like, you know, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, it was totally inspired by all that kind of stuff. There's a song called Lawman. You should play that. I know the Lawman. There's a Lawman taking me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good. And the reggae album you put out, I Ain't Been Nicking yeah, In Ages. I Ain't Been Nicking In Ages. Yeah, Tell me about that. Was well, that literally you doing all the music? No, no, no. A friend production? of mine from Nottingham, Sticks. Um, I, I met Sticks a long time ago. Why, 30 years ago? I'd say about 30, yeah, 30 years ago I met Sticks. Is this when you moved out to Birmingham? No, when I went to Birmingham as a kid, I thought I had to be, in, in, I wanted to be a reggae singer. I really fancied myself being a reggae singer. And that was the start of your that was my career, start of my right? Thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I was always good as a kid at impersonating shit. You know, I'd do the voices and all that. And when this reggae, when I started listening, to, my brothers were rasters and into the whole reggae scene, so I was like into the ska punk rock thing. 
growing up, and, and then I started listening to all these records my brothers were bringing home. But the thing about these records, these voices, these Jamaican artists, they were like cartoon characters. You know, like people like Tennessee, Sugar Minot. They they wasn't perfectly pitched singers, but there was something which which was kooky about. They were animated. Yeah, they, very animated. Voices, yeah. And that's what I got into because I do Daffy Duck and Donald Duck and all these stupid voices. And then when my brother started playing these songs, I started copying these vocalists, and and then and then I take an instrumental of something else and sing like that vocalist on top of it, and people were blown away. So basically, I started going, and then I started going around to clubs and dance halls up and down the country. And singing my thing, and people just giving me gun shalut and Benji had a dan, and and I was like, "Whoa, that's what I want to do. I want to be a reggae artist." So henceforth, I went to Birmingham and I met Sticks. Sticks was um, we were both in this thing called, if you can find it, it's ridiculous, uh, the New Talents thing from Birmingham. New Talents from Birmingham, England. We was both in that, and I did a record, and he did a record, and we was on the same EP. But what what I found with Sticks, because he's from Nottingham, and we the our spirits really gelled, because. Street kids, right? Yeah, street kids. But like, we like punk rock music as well because he's like me. He likes with some of the shit he was talking about way back then. I was like, wow, you like that? And he was looking at me saying, you like that? So we we jowled like that. You know what I mean? And we, we at the time we were really trying to be black because we didn't realize how black we was. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, yeah, man, yeah, man. We tried to talk Jamaican all the time. Fucking ridiculous. Only looking back, it's only when you can say I'm a grown ass man. I'm trying to be black was ridiculous. I already was black. I wasn't going to ever be white. Is that though because you were surrounded by white people yeah, and well, that culture to you was well, something you could attach yourself to? No, I just you know what? When I be proud punk, of being aligned with. When I hear, when I seen punk rockers for the first time, and I <clears> and I was sat there in the yard and watching telly and I seen punks on TV. And I heard the punk music. I knew that was for me as much as any reggae my father was playing or, or Motown. I just knew that that punk rock was punk rock music meant something to me, and it was mine as well. You know. What's going on out there, mate? Someone doing a bit of hedge trimming. Hey, you fucking bastard! <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> We've had all sorts of vibes. We've had seagulls yeah, in the yeah, background. Yeah. We've had a bit well, of hedge well, trimming. You can hear it on there, see? So tell me about the recording of that record because you played me it when it was just finished well, in your garden record. a few years yeah, yeah. back. Yeah, the and I absolutely record. loved no, it. I was like, "Who is this?" And you're yeah. like, "This is me." Yeah. <laughs> well, basically, I always wanted. To, do you want to shut the doors? Um. Yeah. Why not? Go on, Mark, I'm gonna have to shut the doors. Yeah. Welcome to Pill, ladies and gentlemen. Never a dull moment round Casa yeah. de Web. Seriously, when you're in Pill Deadly, this is the way it is. Beverly <laughs> Pills, baby. So, um, with the reggae record, Sticks and me, it was friends for 30 odd years. And like I said, he, um, he put, you know, um, oh, here we go again. I gotta think of, he had a big hit, a really fucking big garage hit in the, in the mid, in the mid, mid of thousands, in the early thousands. He had this big garage hit, and he's a great producer, great guy, great singer, great songwriter. Plays obviously plays drums because his name sticks. So he was sending me some instrumentals, and just out of what's going, I said I'm going to sing a couple of songs. So I ended up doing the whole album with him, and I called the album "I Ain't Been Nicking in Ages" because is that not, true? Well, I have been yeah. nicking, but I haven't been caught in ages. <laughs> <laughs> but but I called it "I Haven't Been Nicking in Ages" because I ain't been nicking in ages. Sorry. Because of um, one of my favourite films, which is Kez. Yeah, of course, Ken Loach. Yeah, and there's, uh, and he walks into a into a shop, and um, he steals something, and then the guy says, oh, "I got to watch you, kids, from over there. You're always on on the nick, always nicking." And he looks at him, and after he just nicked cigarettes, he got cigarettes in his pocket. And he looks at him, and goes, "I ain't been nicking in ages." And I thought that's a beautiful line from a beautiful film. I thought I'd use that. And for a reggae title, it's very different. It's perfect. Normally though, isn't it's Jaja this and Jaja that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burn up the wicked them and all this crap. And I thought I ain't been nicking in ages is something that I can get behind. 
Where can people pick up that album if I they want to? If the people want the album, they can go to BenjiWeb dot BenjiWeb dot BigCartel dot com. Ben, you yeah, sure? Yeah. Positive. BenjiWeb dot Big. Benji Web. <laughs> I'll link it up yeah, on yeah. the on the show description. <laughs> if they want it, they can go to Benji Web dot Big. Fuck you know. <laughs> dot Big Cartel. Yeah, thank you. Benji And it's yeah. a great record. I really it's, recommend. It's, it's, if you, you like Skin Dread, obviously it's a very tonally, sonically different experience, but if a big draw of Skin Dread for you is Benji's voice, then this album is perfect because Thanks, it's bro. you know the showcase of what for your me, voice it's, can it's do. It's definitely the summer if you got if you're going to the beach or having a barbecue. So if you live in California, it's all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's definitely the backdrop. If you like Skin Dread and you want an alternative sound, check out that I haven't been nicking in ages. If you like the track Gun Talk by Skin Dread. Yeah, well, that's exactly what it is. It's all that flavor. It's all that flavor for sure. Tell me about the LA years for you. You just mentioned California there. How long were you living out there? I was over there for about a year and a half, bro. And, and what was, was the Rob- culture shock experience for a man from Newport? Well, it was it was a time when Robert, different world, when right? Robert Trujillo was over there. When Robert Trujillo, I stayed with Robert. Let's backtrack a minute. Tell Robert. me about when you first met Robert, because that's a fun story yeah, down I in Australia, in, I, right? Yeah, I was in Australia, and um, me and me and Richie got off stage with Dubbo Show. We got off stage, and I was like changing all that, and it's like basically, I can't remember. I think it's called the Annandale, but it's like the smallest bar in the world in Australia, and we just Dubbo just played a show. And um, we're in the broom cupboard, which they call the dressing room, and we're getting changed, get, get, just finished the show. And um, the door opens, and I'm like half, half, half undressed. The door opens, and this little guy stood in the doorway going, Hey, man, hey, man, how are you doing? I'm like, Yeah, mate, we're just getting changed. We had, like, you know, he said, Okay, uh, hey, man. I said, We're getting changed, mate. Do you mind? Like, you know what I mean? Give us a minute. Like, we'll be out and talk to you now. Okay, brother, okay. So he backed off, real humble, like, went outside. And um, we got changed, and I went outside, and he was there, and he came up to me, and he said, hey, I just wanted to say, I love the show. You guys are incredible. I said, no, you're not from Australia, though. You've got an accent, mate. Where are you from? He said, I'm my name's Robert Trujillo. I play for, I play for um, Infectious Grooves, and um, what are the other band called? Suicidal yeah, Tendencies, Suicidal right? Tendencies. And I'm like, wow. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I want you to know that I love your voice, and I've got a project called Mass Mental, and I've sent some tracks out to all different singers. And he named Whit Crane, and he named some others. And he said, and I've sent, and I want you to get on board and sing a couple of songs or sing a song on the album that'd be fantastic and I went this was the first feature I ever did really and I was like wow that's great thanks very much and and I and when he walked away I said I never even fucking knew the bastard never heard of him at all Like, and Richie said no he's fucking happening he is mate the band he's in is proper like you know suicidal is like massive and blah 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 I said get on board on that Richie said get, in, get the song on there going back this is on tape now there's no fucking USB keys and all that there's, there's no even, mobile phones there's, there's nothing well, I mean yeah there's landlines I'm yeah. going way back 93, 93. I'm sure the internet was starting to be created then, but it was nothing. It was all tapes. Anyway, so um, I go back. He, t- he took my phone number. He called me and said, listen, man, we're going to send you some. We're going to send you four or five songs. If, you- if you're feeling one of them, you know, try to write something to it. It's instrumental. Try to write something. Okay, it says. Wicked. A couple of weeks later, I get, some- I get a-, a tape in the post. Um, put it on. I'm thinking, that's cool. There's a song on there. I can't there was there was a bunch of songs on there, but there was one I gravitated because it had this really cool bass kind of tone to it and all that. So I sang the song and I sent it back. But as I was listening through the thing, I started singing on all the songs. You know, I mean, I was inspired by every bit of song, so I wrote on every piece of music. And I sent it back to Robert, and he called me up and said, dude, that's fucking fantastic. We're going to do record this stuff. I'm in England in a couple of weeks' time, and um, if I can come down to your house and we can work on this project much more. And I said, cool. So... Robert turned up at my house, like you know. But he turned up and he came on his own, 
In Newport, is in this, Newport, where is this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because like, what was know, his first impressions of well, Newport? Well, he, he's you know he loved he liked the place where we live. I'm sure he wanted to live here himself, but he liked the place and he thought it was fun. You know, yeah, I yeah. took him to TJ's, the old play, the old club in Newport, which was a punk rock, and Stock Mojo were playing, and they were blown away that he was there. And like I was like, well, people must really think you're something, you know. And Robert was laughing because his feet kept get, get, getting stuck to the floor of the club with the alcohol and the piss and the vomit that's been on the floor. It's, the floor's sticky in there. And um, we just he just kept coming back to Newport, and then he invited me over to California, and I went over there, and he ended up staying there and recording the album and stuff for a while, you know. But it was really cool because at that time, and he just got the Aussie gig. He was just working with Aussie as well, you know. Didn't he do that audition super hungover? Is that right? The, what, which one? The, um, must, That's in the, the film. Must, I don't know. Oh, no, I'm talking about Metallica. I, yeah, I know. Didn't I, he do his Metallica audition super hungover? I don't know, I'm bro. I'm sure there's a I story that he rocks up for that audition in the car, just like, oh. And because he's, you know, sometimes when you're hungover, you kind of, your guard's down. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you're loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loosey, and he said that's yeah. what alleviated some of the stress and the pressure well, and just went in. And nah, do you know what I ain't seen? Last time I seen Robert drunk was in, check this out, Snot played in the Dragonfly in LA and Robert got fucking twisted. I've never seen him that drunk before. I mean, like, his hair's all over his face. He looks like, yeah, he's that drunk. He looks like fucking Dan Ack, Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places when he's dressed up as a father Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's how matched he was. And he was up on the stage, like stage diving and people were just like moving out the way so he'd land on his back and just get back up and do it again. That was a really cool day. Now, I, never, I never knew he got drunk before the uh, Metallica thing though. But he scored that gig, man. And he's still there. God bless him. Still Killing there. it. As yeah. well, there was a moment in Birmingham when you hooked me up tickets. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're amazing seats, like right down in front of the square stage, about three rows back. And classic Birmingham moment: all the power gets cut out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's moments like that. That's the light-hearted end of the spectrum. Obviously, what we were talking about with your show in Brixton earlier is the the heavy, dark end of the spectrum. But it's when bands react in the moment to these situations, to real things. and it's how you deal with it that, for me, separates the world-class acts from the just average band yeah, right yeah, yeah. so the power gets cut and it's in a fucking arena mid Metallica show like mid fucking I don't know what song it yeah, was yeah, but yeah. they're grooving and, and they, boom yeah, yeah. light sound everything goes out it. they don't even know what's happening yeah they don't yeah. know for a while Lars is still playing his drums yeah. just, just, and after like 30 seconds they all look around they realised and literally all three of those guys Lars um, James Kurt and James all walk off stage Robert stays there fronts it out just starts doing miming because <laughs> yeah, he knows yeah, that's yeah. the only thing that's going to translate yeah, and yeah, finally yeah. when the power comes back on he's the only guy that stayed on stage the whole time just fronting it trying yeah, yeah. to entertain people the power comes straight back on he goes man Ozzy told me about Birmingham he said you guys don't pay your electricity bills <laughs> and everyone was just <laughs> he's like killer, yeah. Yeah, he's class funny. act man he's, he's, he's a great guy he's a great guy <laughs> is that around the time you met Wit for the first time as well, well then was Whit- through the mass mental that's right so I went over to Los Angeles no Robert came we, we jammed, we made some mass metal music and Robert said that, that one of the other vocalists, Rob, Whit, Whit Crane is around and he wants to come down as well. So we went into the studio, me, Robert, Whit Crane, and I can't remember, yes I can, his name's Mark Dodson. Mark Dodson was the engineer. He also yeah, yeah. did, uh, I think he did He did Anthrax, the Ugly Kid Joe record. Ugly Kid Joe, Anthrax, did a bunch of stuff. Priest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's brilliant, Mark Dodson. Yeah. British guy. He came as well. So we went into the studio in Cardiff and we recorded some more mass metal. And then what was we your up- first impression of Whit? I thought he was a space cadet. You know, he still is a space cadet. He's from he's from another planet, man. I loved him. You know, what I mean, he was because I was really born again, Chris. I was really into the born. You, again, yeah, Chris. you were straight at that I point, right? I was born again yeah. beyond belief, man. I, I, like I said, I still I still believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of God, but I don't I don't I don't look at it like I used to. You know, but I still believe. 
And anyway, so Wick came down and I was like, this guy's a fucking space cadet, man. He's just, because I never met nobody from California like Wit before, because I'm from Newport, you know, and the California people I did meet, it wasn't like Wit. Wit right. is one away. He's one of the best humans I know. Yeah, man. But it was it was just a trip. Going in the studio, like going to, even going to the shop to do Wit, it was like a TV show. You know, it could have been a reality TV show. And still know? is like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It's like a magic carpet ride. For you just sure. get on and fucking yeah, Wit, Wit float is, along. Yeah, he, he does. He's a good energy to have in your life, and I'm glad. I love him dearly, and he's a good friend of mine. I can't believe you're both 50 years old as well. I mean, I mean you both look so good 50, for your age. I see some friends from school, and I go, what the fuck happened to you? You, you mean terrible. they've aged yeah, yeah, terrible. terribly. But I really believe there's a blessing in rock and roll, and it can keep you youthful. And hence, it makes your heart feel youthful. So I think that comes that that comes out in your skin and your face and your and, and the whole lifestyle. Like you know, I mean, if you abuse yourself, you're gonna fuck yourself. But if you if you live right, I believe rock and roll does something to you that keeps you youthful. Did you ever have any dealings with the whole Seattle grunge? Yeah. Community. Yeah, we because we, there seems to have been a real kind of horrible wave of deaths in front men from that scene no I well when you, when I, when and do you think that's that, because of the, the darkness that's inherent in know, that bro. style I mean, you know, of music no well which obviously back in the day Kurt Cobain but yeah. then we had um, Lane Staley from Alice in yeah. Chains as well uh, obviously Chris Cornell yeah. uh, Scott Wyland it oh, seems like the they're area, all from that Seattle grunge okay, well, scene yeah like it this. seems like we the still... only guy left is Eddie Vedder well cool let's, let's enjoy let's embrace Eddie and enjoy his vibe like, and hope he don't kill himself you know or hope he don't die <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, for the grunge thing, I never got into it. Is it never your thing? No, I love Nirvana. I think Nirvana is the best dub band in the world. I think there's so there's so much groove in Nirvana. A brother like me got no got no way. We can, there's no way out that we can't love Nirvana. I mean, mate, one of my favorite songs in the last couple of years is a song called "The Fixer" by Pearl Jam. Yeah, so good. I think when that's, something's broke, you gotta. Yeah, that song for me is the shit. It's punk rock, isn't it? It's got that energy, and not just that. It's the actual "The Fixer." When something's broke, you gotta do it. Blah blah blah. You gotta do it, and and I, I love that. I wish I could have wrote that song. If, I, if it was one song, I would have wrote. It's "The Fixer." It's so strong. So, I, but I never really got to see out thing. So. Chris Cornell and all them people and Ed, Eddie, not Eddie, Chris Cornell and the other dude you Scott mentioned. Scott Wyland. They never really meant that much to me. No disrespect. I know they, they're, they're rock and roll royalty and respect is due, but they didn't do much for me as a musician growing up. I didn't get it. I didn't get the, the whole grunge thing. You I, were in the new metal side, right? I would, yeah. I would, I, Slipknot, Corn. Yes. That, there was more groove in that. You know, Cypress Hill, as far as I'm concerned, they're new metal too. You know, do you know what I mean? That's yeah. that. Well, they were kind of the forefathers of the whole thing, well, weren't they? Well, yeah, without Cypress, Hill, without Cypress Hill, you would not have Korn or Dub War. Or Rage Against the Machine. Or, yeah, I yeah. mean, and that, that's what they did, and they were fantastic. So I did, when the grunge thing was happening, I definitely went for the new metal road. Because it meant, it was more, it, it, um, sonically, it was more for me. You know, musically, it was more groove-driven. You know, so that's why I went down that road. So there's people like I mean, like like you just mentioned, Machine Head, Slipknot, Jonathan Davis. No, them they're they're artists to me that I've gone wow, they done something for me. You know, and I and like I said, for me to be in a room with Jonathan Davis or, or Corey Taylor, I feel like a little boy. You know, I've bought their albums. You know, I've got all their albums. When I see them, I ask them to sign my records for me. I bet they love it as well, don't they? <laughs> well, have you ever partied with those guys? Have you ever had any I've, fun nights I've out? Had a few, I've had a few times where I've, I've been fortunate enough to be backstage before the show and after the show with Korn and also with um, with with Slipknot and the gentlemen. You know, I don't I don't care whether they like what people say about the worshiping the devil and all that shit. 
Well, I've been around some preachers who are fucking assholes and not nice people at all. And I've been around rock stars who, are de- who say they're the devil and they're the nicest bastard people I've ever met. You know, and I've been around preachers, so-called preachers who are, are witnesses for Jesus Christ and they're this and they're that and they do all this and they they just kind of spirit on no heart. And I've been around so-called heavy metal people who got a full of spirit and heart. So you do the maths. You know? Good times. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you about... Before we get into the end of this, uh, well, let's talk movies. Oh, not the end already. Let's <laughs> let's talk movies for a bit. Please do. Have you movies. have you seen Get Out? I have, and I didn't enjoy it as much. Come as I on, no, really? I really no, I didn't enjoy it. I, I gotta say, I my girlfriend liked it. Julie said it was a great movie. I I I was left. It was a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I've seen much worse. Get Out for me. I wanted a little bit more in it. You know, I thought the storyline was fantastic. I thought the fact that they were dead and blah, 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 and all that. And, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought it was good. But I would have given that, at the time while watching it, maybe I should revisit it, because sometimes you can do that and change your mind. Um, I'd give it a, I would have given it a four when I first watched it. Well, that's still pretty high. Okay. I'd go well, home pretty go, happy with that. On the Benji's, on the Benji. So what, what have you seen recently that's, like, fucking blowing you away? Recent kind of new releases. Bro. Three I haven't seen that yet, but I love that director. I'm willing to sit I love my that house director. and watch it with you now. Yeah, I'm willing to sit down. And that's how much I love that movie. I'd watch it again in a heartbeat. For me, the dialogue is incredible. The storyline is incredible. Um, Sam Rockwell deserves it, but so does... Sam Rockwell deserves to get the Oscar, but so does everyone else in the movie. You know, um, Woody Harrison, he was fantastic. It's just a great movie from beginning to end. And like I said, I've watched it four times now. You've watched it four? Yeah, and I'm ready to watch it again. If you want to watch it, I'll watch it with you. What a fucking movie. Because it's the same guy that did, I think, one of the best films of the last 10 years, Seven Psychopaths, by the same dude. Do you know what? And that film that is, is a, that's the up there as well, shit. See? That is up there as well, big time. Seven the Psychopaths. script in that is fuck so smart. I mean, dude, you got to be clever. You get Tom Waits in a movie, <laughs> You're clever, bro. You know and that saying? Christopher Walken scene Christopher with Walken's the fucking great. scarf. Do you know what? Honestly, with the scarf. Yeah. They cut the throat. Brilliant. That's his best scene <laughs> since the True Romance <laughs> one. He takes the scarf off. Pulls that. The, that is so brilliant. good, man. Yeah, that, that movie for me, that movie. I can't believe he did that. I'm going to have to look for some more he's done as well. But Seven Psychopaths was incredible. Three Billboards was incredible. Um, I don't believe that The Shape of Water should have won over Three Billboards. No. Especially in this day and age, you know, I mean, having sex with a fucking water mermaid, strange, <laughs> strange thing. You know, I mean, but, you know, I mean, you didn't see, you didn't see his dick or anything. You but, didn't, know, But you knew but they, they, impl- they imply that he has yeah, one, I'm don't sure they? she was playing with herself in the bath in the morning as well. And the first scenes, quite str- I was like... Yeah. It was, some years I went, I see who wins the Best Picture um, Award. I kind of think, if no. that had been any other year... That you wouldn't have that. won because no, no, that, that's I, not going to. It was a magical film and it, it was, was well good, made, but it but wasn't it, it like a game changer, was no, it? No, it wasn't a game changer, and it did not beat. It did not beat Free Billboards in the Benji world. It did not. Respect. Let me tell you something. One of my new favorite actors I've just discovered is that Michael Sheridan. Who's that? Michael Sheridan. He plays the the mean FBI guy. Okay. In that movie, he's a brilliant actor, mate. Yeah. I've watched him in um what you watch what, what one did I see I watched um, one of them TV shows um Broadwalk Empire yeah 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 so he who was, is he, he in that he's the FBI agent who, who defects and goes all weird right Michael Shannon Shannon sorry the I the big fucking, tall guy yeah big yeah guy. he's fucking great he's the one of the best character uh, new character actors ever 
Yeah. And he's brilliant in that. If you want a new TV show, it's old, but it's good to watch. If you want to watch that, check out Broadwalk Empire. Steve Buscemi, Dave, Steve the Buscemi's king. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. That took the place for The Sopranos. Well, not took the place off, but it did satisfy me with like The Sopranos for the first time. Did but, you watch Vinyl? I did. I watched about four or five episodes and I thought it was good and I need to revisit that. Because it got canned. So I only watched it for the first time a couple of months ago and I became obsessed with it, right? Mm-hmm. And I watched the whole season in like two days. Okay, you do and, that. Yeah, yeah. That, you, that especially if you're like us, you know, you've yeah. got no job to get That's to at 9am. Right. No real job. <laughs> Not a job like sweat and blood. But so you just it, smash it, through it yeah, and then I do. finished. And it ends, dude. The last episode, it teases that CBGB's is about to get sort of you know, shut down. No, born. Okay. So this guy's running so, the bar. Yeah. So, okay. It sets it up. So it's basically about New York and the American sort of rock and roll music industry from kind of seventy two to seventy five. So it's in that transition from the classic heavy metal Led Zeppelin sort of era yeah, yeah, yeah. through glam into punk. Right. And it's just about it sort of sets it up so season two will be about CBGBs and not. that whole scene. But then the show got cancelled and it never got made. I was devastated. Did you enjoy the, did, I loved so, it. Did, I became did, obsessed with it. I thought the see, main guy was so good. He's in Broadwalk Empire, yeah, isn't he? Is. He's, and he's, he's a, a badass motherfucker. Yeah, he's badass in that, isn't he? He's <laughs> badass. He likes that sexual fucking strangling on the next Yeah, shit, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I just finished reading as well. Are you a rock biography reader? Nah, I'm no? a TV watcher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think they made a documentary about him. Channel 4 did a few years back. It's about Sharon Osbourne's dad, Don Arden. Okay. And Channel 4 made, uh, I think it's a two-part miniseries about him called Mr. Rock and Roll. Now, this dude, right, he was the first guy to bring Little Richard, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis, Gene Vincent, all of those original rock and roll cats. He was the first promoter to bring them to the UK. So he used to manage them all. He was their agent and promoter. He used to work with the Beatles, putting them on at the Hamburg Club in Germany. Um, And then he used to manage ELO. He used to manage Sabbath. Then Sabbath broke up and Sharon, his daughter, took Ozzy. But that guy has got the most fucking insane stories. Like he's an original. What's his name? Don Arden. Look, he's like an old school so Sharon thug. Osborne used to be Sharon Arden. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and she, <laughs> in one chapter in the book, he talks about how she tried to run him over. Basically, he'd been to the cinema and Ozzy, Sharon and their kids had been to the same film and she hadn't seen him in however many years and he comes out the cinema with his mistress at the time, this woman called Michelle, I think, and he's walking along the street and all of a sudden this car's driving towards them. <laughs> it's Sharon trying to run him over in broad daylight in the middle of the street and Ozzy's apparently behind the seat going, beam me up, Scotty, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> screaming, beam me up, Scotty. He didn't want to be there. She still want to God bless there. <laughs> God bless him. Yeah, man. Oh, I'll definitely be looking up. You got to check it out. Thanks for that info, man. Because I've used uh, dad was a was a rock and roller, like old school G. But I've never even thought about anything. I mean, and that's where the real stories are. You know, the so, real stories. Yeah. He's like, if you think Ozzy was fucking crazy, wait till you hear about Gene Vincent. Yeah. Because those guys. When here's another thing as well. We can bring it full circle with people like Phil Anselmo now, Jesse. A lot of these rock stars are now being vilified as bad people but what people forget i think and i'm not necessarily condoning the actions or the words of those two what they yeah. say is up to them but if you look back to chuck berry jerry Lee lewis little yeah, richard those guys were fucking animals That's what I'm saying. they were nasty bastards mm-hmm. yes they mm-hmm. were extremely talented yeah but, but they were lawless motherfuckers do you know what it's going going back it's like what you just said led like, zeppelin it, john lennon like these a, guys weren't good our, guys no they wasn't there's a song on our, our, our album um, called um, The Kids Are Right Now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, And basically what that song is about, artists who you're praising now, people like Chuck Berry, they wasn't right then though, were they? But they're right now. 
when they first come out, the media wanted to oust them and all this, and they wasn't right. They're not right. Don't watch them. Don't listen to them. But they're right now. They they wasn't right then, but they're right now. You know. So basically, that's what the song's about. Coming from like you know what I mean, like Snoop Dogg. I remember the first time what Snoop Dogg tried to come to England. He had a front page saying, "Ban this bastard." Yeah. You know. Now he sat on Jonathan Ross's set. He. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Jonathan Ross set. He chilling with Snoop. Dogg. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So it's like these people, they, they, they're fucking people, but they big them up later on. But when they first come out, they get the hard road. You know. Isn't it weird though that now? Sorry. Imagine now if Ozzy Osbourne today bit the head of two doves. Which is what he did in a record. But he meeting. thought it was pretending. He didn't think it was real. No, he it? thought it was real as fuck. What well, he actually th- he he was sent into a meeting, and the idea was he was going to sign this new record contract. And after he put his pen to paper, he was going to open up his coat, and these doves were going to fly out, and it was going to be this amazing photo opportunity for the press release. Ozzy being twisted on drugs just basically went into the meeting, signed it, bit these fucking two heads off these two live doves, spat them on the floor, and walked out the room. Now, if he'd done that today, his career would be fucking over overnight. Yeah, yeah well, the, without a doubt. Yesterday was a different day from the day. That's the, you know the things that you, you don't get away with these kind of. You things. don't, do you? Especially like we spoken back about the media thing. People just the rumors. You, when I bought a record, I heard a piece of. I heard the band were good. Yeah, that was it. You didn't know anything about their when personal I life. One, no, I couldn't. I heard stories from other kids in school and stuff about these bands. But I couldn't go online and look and see what the band was, where they lived, yep. who they, where they were from. So it, it was a beautiful time. Magical. It was a magical yeah. time. It was like, you know, I mean, some, someone someone cut a, cut themselves and it ended up they were sawing their arm off. It, you know, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, Chinese so whispers. Chinese whispers yeah. were fantastic. Like I said, so no, in a world where everything is so instant, nah, it'll never be the same again, which is a shame. Unless everything, unless they got rid of all this internet stuff. Because here's another question. Alice Cooper's another one, right? Here's a guy who's, you know, a Christian, for all intents and purposes, a good soul, actually. But Mm. there was the famous gig that he did back in the day where someone somehow smuggled a chicken into the show and Alice picked up the chicken, threw it out into the crowd, thinking the chicken would fly. Obviously, it didn't. It fell down and the crowd tore this chicken to pieces. And obviously, it then goes worldwide in the news. Alice Cooper, this guy who was already pretty controversial because of his stage act, kills chicken on stage. And that sort of makes his career. Again, if that happened today, it would be over. Do you think we can still have rock stars in today's world? Do you think they can still nurture and develop and become these it, larger than life figures when it, we do have access and I sort of people, instant? People got to be uh, rock stars being good, right? You know, <laughs> if you want, if you want, you know, you got to nice don't, boys don't gotta, play rock and roll. They do now. They got to. If you're a rock star, really, you got to. What do they call it? Um, you can't step out of line, can no. you? Because people like will eat but you alive. know what? I ain't fucked that. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be me. When I when I fuck up, I say I apologize. And when I don't, fuck you. You know, I mean, for for being in a band, I'm supposed to be the ringmaster. Yeah, I am. You know, the ringmaster, the ringmaster of disaster. I am the 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 pilot of the chopper. You know, I am the leader. So I'm gonna rock in the best way. Like I said, you disrespect somebody, that's when you draw the line. Yeah, you know. Unless or you say they, hateful unless, or unless you mean things. it, unless you mean it, fuck them, then fuck them. If that's how your heart is, then so be it. You know what I mean? I, I, like we said, we'll go back to Jesse. Yeah. If that's how, we, that's how we felt, then that's cool. It's, the worst thing he could have done was apologise. Yeah. You know, really? Well, Josh did the same thing, Josh Hahn. Did you see that? No. So he basically kicked a photographer in the head. I mean, I say that from what I gather, and I've seen the footage, is there's a photographer up on stage taking pictures of him, and he kicks her camera just in a moment of madness. And it 
knocks her head and she's like right i've had to spend the night in a and e she makes this huge drama about it i guess back in the day if you were photographing a punk show that was kind of part of the night and if you'd have got your head hit by a camera it would have been almost like a badge of honor but this girl obviously puts this this thing on twitter just what i'm saying but then josh goes on camera and he goes i'm really and he's like faux almost crying and going i'm i want to apologize to my brother and my family for shaming them and you're like come on mate all you did was fucking like lightly knock a photographer mid-set at a rock show like you're supposed to be a rock and roll show that's what i'm saying what you want own it ownership right yeah own it, man. You did it. You did it. Like I said, I ain't apologizing for being racist. Or, um, what they call him? Baby metal. I'm not apologizing for that. I'm apologizing for disturbing him. Was I racist? Fuck no, was I racist? Have I have been? I most probably have. And so have you and so have everyone else on listening to this shit. Everyone's that's, a little bit racist. There you go. Like, <laughs> you know, and that's the way it is. But I was not disrespectful to them girls. And like we say, we come full circle on that. Nice. You know, it's not, it's not me. It's not in me. That's not my vibe. So you're looking forward to getting back out on the road oh, after six months? Looking, mate, What's happening, brother? we got a killer tour coming up. As you walked in earlier on, I'm just sorting out some, what they call the interlude kind of things. For yeah, yeah, band. yeah. Got some real, so you've got some new tricks up your sleeve. New, we've got some new tricks. We're going to play some new songs. Um, I'm so excited to get on the road. It's been a long time. Um, Tasty and, Bill as well, dude. CKY yeah. and yeah, I, I Danko Jones, I, I, I'm, King I'm, Rock and Roller. I, I, I don't know shit about music. Dude, Danko Jones, you're going to love. Watch him. Make yeah, sure you check it, out oh, some of his show. I watched a bit of it online. We played with Danko Jones at the time. You know his style. But I just, it's funny because we'll go on tour with somebody and I won't watch the band. Because I'm too busy doing my own thing. Like, you know, I, you know, after the show, I must probably do something else and watch them. Like, you know, but... It's the same thing, you know, but regrets are regrets. And there's one regret I have. The last time we played with Motorhead in... in um, when was that? Switzerland, Greenfield Festival, about two, three summers ago. I um, Me and my girlfriend were outside. Let me walk past to go on stage, and I didn't get up and watch Motorhead. Because you thought, I'll see them next time. I thought it's I'll Motorhead. They're time. on every tour it's we a, do, on like, every yeah, festival. They're always there. And, and now these guys, more by the minute. Heartbroken. And then I realized, when after some, like a couple of months after that, that was in the summer, then he died in the January. And I was like, when they said, oh, the lemon from Motorhead passed away, I was like, you fucking idiot. You blew it. Remorse. You've got to see him whilst you, you can, right? Let me tell Especially you now more than ever. I other. tell a story. There's a song on our album. It was oh, yeah. on the other album. It was, it was the, this song called Saying It Now was on the other album. I can't remember the name of the fucking album. It was on um, the, the volume. The last one, volume. Was yeah. on, this song was on volume. And, um, it's about regretting not telling people you love them when they're here. And I think it's most important for me. We started playing it as an acoustic song. And I had such a strong response from the song that people, people's hearts were just like, you know, I see like big guys with big beards and long hair just crying in the audience. So we thought we'd revisit the song again in a different way because the last time we did it as a, a rock song. But this time we've done it, we've done it with that stripped back acoustic thing and... Having that regret, it's like when my friend passed away, I, I I went to see him, I went to visit him and he told me that he had cancer and he's a big guy, bigger than me. I'm a, I'm a big guy, but he's much bigger than me. And I went around to his house and we sat there talking, we had a cup of tea and I was used to go around Sean's house every couple of weeks for a cup of tea. So I went around his house, had the cup of tea and he said, mate, I got cancer. And I was like, fuck Sean, that's bad, man. He said, I know, I know. He said, but, and I said to him, come on, but we'll, you'll deal with this, Sean. You, you know, you're a big guy, you're a fighter. Anyway, I promised him that I would go back and see him. That was about three months. And then I kept coming home from tour, coming home from, and saying to myself, i got to go and visit him. i got to go and visit him. i get on my bike and something else would happen. But anyway, I heard he was real sick. So I said, the mo- one morning I got up and I said, I'm going to go visit him today. I got on my bicycle and I rode up the pill, got to his house, knocked his door, 
And his wife answered the door. Like, See, she was tearful. I said, Anne, is Sean there? She said, Sean died this morning, Bench. And honest to God, to this day, to this moment, I still get goose pimples. I'm just, I'm, I'm on a mission to tell people, if you want to do something, don't put it off. Because you don't know. You only got the minute you're in. And I lost one of my best friends ever. And I never told him I loved him. You know, and if you got something, you, tell your friends, make sure they're aware that you love them. And that's why saying it now is on this record again on big things, because I don't think it's hit where it needs to hit. But hopefully on this record, the way we've done it, we did, basically we did the way we do it live, we did it on the record. And I just really hope that that song resonates with people's hearts so that people start telling people they love them more. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Well, that's what music's here for, right? Is yeah. to remind us how important yeah. love, friendship yeah, exactly. I, I, that, and that's what it's about. And life, life is. It ain't just about getting pissed, getting high, getting messy. It is about leaving something with the people, you know. And I think rock and roll is a great springboard, uh, a great vehicle for me to be able to do that with Skin Red. Tell them that you love them while they're here. Tell them while you got the chance. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah. 